Welcome back to Season 2 of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic Science Podcast, where we look forward to the new synthesis in the new millennium between faith, philosophy, and science. Welcome back to Episode 68 of That's So Second Millennium. Today we start the first of our two episodes with Father Lawrence Masha of the Benedictine Order and Daniel Vandenberg, who are both at St. Vincent College and Arch Abbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. So we spend this episode discussing their journeys as scientists of faith. So we talk a lot to Father Lawrence about his time going from astronomy to theology in his uh, college days, and then discerning his vocation as a Benedictine monk, and then how he is continuing and is going to go back and get uh, his, his advanced degrees in physics. And his, you know, just the nuts and bolts of what it's like becoming a Benedictine in this day and age, how that works, how the how it's still so much the traditional process, and how that how that ties into his uh, his understanding of science in the world, which we'll talk more about next week as well. And then we talked to uh, Pro- uh, Professor Vandenberg. Uh, he is uh, he's he's a cradle Catholic who is a scientist who's a physicist who's worked on a lot of sky surveys. And, uh, and has done some some really interesting things in astronomy. Actually, looking up his uh, lo- looking him up on the Saint Vincent website and uh, looking through his uh, uh, research specialties would be just an interesting thing to do in itself. I'd strongly recommend it. So, without further ado, we'll start the interview. And again, we'll finish it next week. Next week will be a pretty short episode, but this week is an ordinary uh, half hour episode. So enjoy. Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic Science Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Bill Schmidt, and we're very pleased to have Father Lawrence Macia and Dr. Daniel Vandenberg from St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which, of course, everyone who drinks Rolling Rock and many of us who haven't also know where Latrobe, Pennsylvania and its significance. But uh, we're going to talk to them a little bit about they are presenting at the Society of Catholic Scientists Conference, uh, starting, which is going to start later this evening about uh, Galileo and his uh, his perspective on the human mind, but we really want to uh, talk to them about their experience as people of faith. So, uh, Father Lawrence, could you walk us through your sort of life and your vocational path so far in terms of, you know, so you've, you've got an interest in physics and obviously also in Galileo, um, but you're also a, an ordained Benedictine monk. So how has that, that all come together in your life so far? Right. So I guess you could say that my first love was science. Mm-hmm. Um, from the time I was a kid, I've always, I guess you could call it a space cadet or something like right. that. Um, and uh, when I originally started doing an undergraduate degree in, back in 2004, mm-hmm. uh, I, was, I started out intending to major in astronomy and astrophysics. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was at a small little school near, uh, near uh, not, Philadelphia, near Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Eastern University. Okay. And... Uh, I guess, I, I mean, I was 18 at the time and I was young and didn't quite know what I wanted. Yeah. So I ended up changing my major from uh, from astronomy and astrophysics to theology because I took yeah. a few theology core courses that were required. And it just, I didn't even know that it was possible to study religion on that level. Right. Like my, my experience of, of religion was what I had learned in my catechesis. Sure. Yeah. Um, sure. I was kind of a late start to coming to my faith. I only started doing religious instruction when I was 14. Okay. So okay. I, I just did like the crash course two years for my first communion, two years for my confirmation. Yeah. And uh, so that was my faith formation. That was it. Just those yeah. four years. Yeah. Uh, before the very I, best that people could offer you in the 1990s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We did slightly better than... Uh, 
Um, now then, then perhaps some other places. I think I had a lot of really good mentors and examples in my yeah. life. Even yeah. some real saints, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah, some really, hurts. Yeah. yeah, some really beautiful men and women uh, who mentored me. You know, as a, as a high school student and uh, really set me up to be very serious about pursuing my faith mm-hmm. uh, as a young man in college. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I did that, you know, and I'm, I'm a Catholic. I so I never was anything else. I'm just sort of a late start Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I went to a Protestant school. Eastern is, it's not a Catholic university. And I studied okay. theology there. Okay. And I like to say, I learned more about my Catholic faith in my first semester at Eastern than I did in my four <laughs> yeah. years and yeah. it, it, it's because people That's are asking me questions. Well, there's that. And yeah, I don't even know absolutely. where questions. Yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden I had to really dig into what does it mean to be Catholic and not something else. Right. So that was really the formation that I had in that mm-hmm. in that four years, even though I had stepped away from the academic pursuit of, of science for the time. I did minor, I continued to minor in astronomy, mm-hmm. uh, work in a planetarium. Was that a distinct minor from physics? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was to do fit, to do astrophysics. Actually, part of the program would have been at Villanova, and okay. I think that that was part of it. Like I realized very quickly, I kind of wanted to be involved with campus life and okay. didn't want to be yeah. going to another campus, spending most of my time. And there's a number of things. Yeah, I attributed yeah. to just I was young and yeah. didn't really know what I wanted yet. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I really just dug into to theology and to learning about my faith, both in an academic way. Uh, but also just in a personal way through the relationships, friendships that I had. Yeah. Um, a lot of the most difficult conversations that I had uh, right. were not in the classroom. Right. They were in the dorm room. Right. Yeah. You know, 2.30 in the morning after a sheets run or it's something like away. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sheets run. Fantastic. <laughs> or Wawa or whatever it is where <laughs> yeah, you're from, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was Wawa out there. Yeah. 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 Wow. There you go. So, uh, graduated uh, with uh, my degree in theology uh, in 2008. In the middle of an economic crash with a liberal arts degree, so uh, yeah. and I, I worked the worthy job of retail yeah. um, for for three years. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's it's any any work is is worthy work, but I mean, retail it's it's, it's hard. It's it's not always not very fun. Hours aren't good. So yeah. I, I basically I went from undergraduate school to just the school of life. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, useful experience. Yeah. 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 So during that time is just another part period of formation where I was open to consecrated life, but I had essentially told God, well, if this is something you want me to do, please make it explicit. <laughs> yes. Because yeah, I'm otherwise I'm yeah. not going to get like a yeah. subtle signal. Like you want right. to do it, yeah. tell me and I'll do it. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. I think I want to be a high school science teacher. Okay. So yeah. I was pursuing a path uh, related to that and uh, you know, looking at going back to school and mm-hmm. such. And then I uh, was, I was seeing a priest for spiritual direction mm-hmm. And he suggested I make a visit to St. Vincent Arch Abbey okay. in Latrobe, which is, I was living in Lancaster County at the time, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, it was a few hours away. I'd never heard of Latrobe, yeah. uh, did not drink Rolling Rock, right. so had, had no right. particular attachment yeah. to it. So yeah. my spiritual director, he's like, we were talking one day and I, I think literally the exact words I said that prompted him to suggest I make a visit to St. Yeah. Vincent, yeah. I said... Oh, I don't know. He was asking me, like, well, what do you want to be in your life? And I said right. something to the effect of, uh, uh, quote, I want to be a quantum physicist and a theologian and plumb the depths of all knowledge. Some it's hyperbole fair. like that. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was in the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Well, yeah. 
The unre- the unrestricted desire to know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of what it was. I was like, ah, anything other than working retail <laughs> in a cornfield. I love Lancaster County, but yeah, got, yeah, after yeah. three years, it felt like working retail in a cornfield, and I was ready yeah. for, for something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no retail, those can be a noble profession. Cornfields are definitely noble. Absolutely. So yeah. The combination was perhaps not working very well. For me, yeah, it was just, I was <laughs> felt like I was really starting to stagnate. Yeah. You know, yeah Lancaster's yeah. a beautiful place for anybody who's listening who's from Lancaster. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, I, I love it, still love it, have friends there, great place, yeah. great place to raise a family. But yeah. I needed something different. Yeah. Uh, my spiritual director suggested I make this visit to Latrobe, mm-hmm. and my yeah. response was, what's Latrobe? Right. And he said, well, there's a monastery there. Then okay, that works. I, nice. I had all, like, I guess, typical stereotypes of what, it, what a monk was. You know, yeah, you know, what you I see in movies. Yeah, you know, people who you know, never eat, sit around, or silent all the time. Right. Right? Just a lot of you know, prayer, fasting, asceticism, discipline. Right. Uh, right. I was like, wow. Well, that seems odd. Right. Uh, you would you would see me yeah. uh, in that in yeah. that position. Yeah. But he was pretty explicit about his suggestion, so I took yeah. it. Well, maybe this is a sign of God. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe God is actually yeah. So I followed up on it, and I made a visit to Saint Vincent in 2010. Okay. And uh, then I went back for a longer visit a few months later. Mm-hmm. And essentially, uh, it kind of shattered all of my stereotypes. I guess what I found at St. Vincent was a consecrated life that was eminently livable. Yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It wasn't some ideal on a hill. It's a challenging life. Yeah. It's a worthy life. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's, I like to tell people it's, uh, we're all, we're ordinary men with an extraordinary call. Yeah. So, like, I mean, we, uh, we eat together, we have fun together, we work, we play together, we live in community together. And the, the monastery has this wonderful apostolate. We have St. Vincent College, yeah. uh, you know, Catholic liberal arts education. Uh, we have a seminary. We do a lot of like pastoral work, even some missionary work overseas, small amount. Um, but it's it's there. And uh, we've actually been getting vocations from that as well. So it's just St. Vincent, if anybody's listening who's discerning a vocation, mm-hmm. it's like a sandbox. There's, there's yeah. room for virtually anything, almost anything there. It's like yeah. an interest or talent. Yeah. Like it's just, there's so much potential and, yeah. and it's just a wonderful group of men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so essentially I just fell in love yeah. um, with the place and for Benedictines, uh, you know, it's you, your call is to a specific place, yeah. not just to the order in general, because yeah. we make a vow of stability. Um, yeah. But I also found the, the spirituality to be really affirming sort of deep ideals that I had in myself. Yeah. So the the discernment eventually, well, within a few months, became well. God, if you don't want me to do this, then stop. <laughs> They're going to have to derail me here. Yeah, because yeah, and, and he did not, and that was eight years ago. So now yeah. uh, I'm solemnly professed and uh, a priest of one year, and here I sit. Yeah. So that was like my vocational path, yeah. and then I never lost the love of science through all mm-hmm. of that either. Mm-hmm. So how did that uh, how did that play out while you were in formation for? I mean, and I, I, despite having grown up in Indiana and having heard about uh, St. Meinrad's all my life, which, of course, the local one here, uh-huh. um, what is that process? If you can just give us a thumbnail sketch of what it is to, you know, what happens if you express an interest in becoming a Benedictine? Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you do in what order? Sure. Yeah. So typically, uh, you, you, you come in and you begin with uh, what's called the novitiate. Yeah. So that's uh, the intense period of formal training. Uh, you get the habit. You have the option of taking a new name. So mm-hmm. I was Sean before. Now and then I okay. became uh, Lawrence, Brother Lawrence, not Father Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, although you can also do uh, what's called a postulancy, 
Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's sort of a, it's a pre-novitiate experience where you live in the monastery, you, yeah. you have the life of the monks, uh, but you don't uh, you don't take the habit. So yeah. there's, it's just a little less commitment. Yeah. Um, you might look at it as sort of an extended live-in, but there's also yeah. some formation to it as well. It's, it's not yeah. just hang out at the monastery. Yeah. Uh, so I came for I did I did an extended postulancy just because mm-hmm. it made more sense with you know me ending the jobs that I was already in. I also yeah. did some youth ministry and such. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I, I brought a natural end to that. Then I entered St. Vincent, uh, at the beginning of the school year mm-hmm. in 2011, August, 2011. Yeah. And I did a school year's worth of postulancy. Yeah. And then we accept our novices into the novitiate. Our novitiate begins on July 10th. Right. So July 10th, uh, 2012, yeah, it's funny all the years run together. I came in, in okay. yeah. yeah. So it would have been it would have been in twelve when I came in yeah. Um, yeah. into the novitiate. So I did one calendar year in mm-hmm. the novitiate. So yeah, again, wearing the habit, uh, you're kind of isolated. Like you don't have you don't have phone. You don't have the use of the internet. Right. Uh, you're even even in sense of the monastic community. Like the novices live in a separate spot. Okay. Uh, they have yeah. their own like little recreation area. I mean, you're integrated with the community, but you don't have the same responsibilities everybody else does. It's designed to be a period of, of uh, intense focus. Yeah. You study the rule. You do house chores. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you have little outings here and there. Yeah. And uh, it, it's I have a great time. I love my novitiate. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so after calendar year, then you you make uh, you make your your temporary vows. Mm-hmm. So. The, the the tradition is that those are for three years. Now, some monasteries you'll make one vow that that lasts for three years. Mm-hmm. We make we, we 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 make we renew our vows every year. Okay, so that's how we do it at Saint Vincent. A lot of other places do that temporary too. Vows. Yeah. Okay. So when you profess your vows on July 11, you uh, you profess them for for one year, okay. and then the year before you make your solemn profession, you profess them for one year and one day. And that one day is the one day before you make your your solemn vows. Okay. So so during the uh, during the what's called the junior in, so that's that time when you're in the, the temporary vows. Okay. In our house, we also uh, send our men to seminary, mm-hmm. uh, whether they intend to be priests or not. This is the idea is to get everybody kind of educated. Yeah. Um, you know, have a good basis there mm-hmm. for for uh, you know theology and, and formation. Yeah. Um, I always, I felt a call to the priesthood from the beginning. So I was in the ordination track, discerning that simultaneously with my yeah. monastic vocation, yeah. going to seminary and studying. Yeah. Um, but I told the archabbot from the beginning that I had an interest in science yeah. and that I had started an undergraduate in physics mm-hmm. and that I was interested in continuing that and, and, and in teaching in the college someday, particularly yeah. working in the planetarium that we have. And, yeah. and he was supportive of that from the beginning. Yeah. And I was surprised because, I mean, we have a vow of obedience. So, yeah. you know, the vow of obedience, of course, under the best of circumstances, incorporates what the individual monks' gifts and talents are and, yeah. and such. But at the end of the day, it's what does the community need? So the Archabbot could have easily said to me, yeah. um, Actually, yeah, we need this. Yeah, we need this. And your training is not in physics. It's in something else. So he could have followed me in a different direction, but he didn't. He was really supportive of me from the beginning, yeah. pursuing that path. So uh, I got involved with uh, with the physics department, started doing some some teaching and and uh, designing shows in the planetarium. Uh, met Dr. Van Burke, yeah. and uh, so we've known each other a long time. Yeah, uh, at least a long time for me. Right. Um, and uh, you know, about six years. Yeah. And so I sort of I, I kept a, uh, I guess I don't know, sort of a tenuous touch with with science while I was focusing on my seminary formation. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then uh, I completed that a year ago. So this this is what happened. This is what happened. So yeah. I I finished my seminary, graduated, got ordained. I got ordained on a Saturday, and then Thursday I was sitting in a cal- calculus one class. There you go. Yeah, after not having touched math for like fourteen years. Oh goodness. Okay. So it was like, yeah. I just went right into it, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, I, and I just started banging out physics limits. and math. Yeah, limits. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the way we go. Yep, the way we went. So, but I mean, I loved it. It's hard. It's, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So now, so yeah, I've been studying undergraduate, finishing up my undergraduate that I that I started. Yeah. The idea is I'll finish that in a year. Yeah. And then I'll go to grad school, and I'm still discerning where yeah. where to go for that. Yeah. Wow. So my path in a nutshell. Sorry, that's a lot, of, that's a lot of preparation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To trust that the Lord's using you even while that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fascinating. That's good to know that's still happening. I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> so we call the podcast that's so second millennium, which is kind of a deliberately ambiguous part of it is, you know, let's not be like the stereotypical, well, of course it's leaked over into this third millennium, but you know, the idea of the conflict between, faith and reason that, you know, has arisen since the, uh, the enlightenment. Um, but it's also that, you know, it's also pays tribute to that 13th century synthesis of, you know, faith and reason that was accomplished in the high middle ages. And, you know, your career sounds like, you know, in this third millennium, some of that best of it, you know, coming, coming across and being part of, you know, where the church is going to be going forward. So that's really, that's really exciting. That's really exciting. Um, I'd love to talk to Dr. Vandenberg for a little bit as well. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, I take it you're also a Catholic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've I've been Catholic since my baptism as a baby. Um, Okay. And I guess for almost as long, I've had an interest in science. Uh, Okay. So they've always gone together in my life. I've been, uh, serious about both of them. And, uh, I, I've never really found a, a serious uh, conflict between them. Yeah. So I guess I'm very fortunate in that way. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's probably partly because of my upbringing, but both my parents are teachers. Okay. Um, so we yeah. took, you know, education is always very important. Yeah. Um, and they, although they're not scientists, they both, you know, really respect science and are, yeah. have been interested in it themselves. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what part of the country did you grow up in? Uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Green Bay, Wisconsin. small football team. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but, uh, we, you know, we went to mass every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation. We did some things probably, you know, church related outside of that. Um, you know, I grew up in the, yeah, the watered down seventies and eighties, or yeah. catechesis. Yeah, yeah. although I'm I probably in age probably between yeah. the two of you, and yeah, I remember the Felton Burlap era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still persists in some ways, but yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I probably had a better catechesis than most. Yeah, uh, it was it was pretty easy being Catholic there because you know yeah. I, a lot of my friends, a lot of the town was Catholic, um, you know, ethnically going back many generations, um, but. Uh, and my dad was in the seminary for a short period of time. He, yeah. He was young. So we have this, um, we always have this, uh, kind of library of theology books and he, he kept a strong interest in that. He was just yeah, a great school teacher, but he really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, they were well beyond me as a, uh, as a child. 
Yeah. But I, I saw them there, and it was. They must always, be important. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> and I always knew that the yeah. you know the Catholics were really intellectually serious. Too. That's something yeah. that came up. Yeah, that's something that was pretty obvious to me. Um, uh, so I you know, I like science fiction. I read a lot of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, watched Star Trek, and you know, I was I was a grade schooler when Star Wars came out. So this was. Yeah, you know that yeah. that was like yeah. it was like life changing as as, as someone that doesn't <laughs> many school, people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. Uh, so ever you know, I've, I I always thought since you know since I was a kid that if I could, I would like to be a scientist. That's what yeah. I want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and uh, the only, the first time I ever heard that there was ever any uh, conflict, let's say, between science and faith is when. Yeah, I was watching the the Cosmos series with Carl Sagan. Right? Was, oh yeah, in grade okay. school at the time too. Okay. It was a great show. I loved it. But yeah. um, but you know, there's always that uh, underlying idea that, especially when when the Galileo story was presented, that yeah. there was uh, there was this you know yeah. this battle of the enlightened uh, scientists with the you know mean old church and so forth. Yeah. I knew that that wasn't yeah. the case. Even as a, even as a kid, I knew that you know the church today isn't like that, but. I yeah. kind of, uh, I guess I kind of resolved that with, uh, you know, I was always taught that this is the Vatican, we're, we're post-Vatican too, and that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's the old That's church. the bad old church, yeah. yeah. We, don't, we, yeah. The, we don't teach that anymore, we don't teach that stuff, the church isn't like that anymore, and, and maybe it was backwards at the time, but we're, you know, we're yeah. well beyond that. Yeah. So, um, so, even then, there really wasn't any strong conflict, I'd say, between science yeah. and faith. Yeah. Um, actually, the first time I was I really had any challenge was when I was in uh, high school, okay. and I met my future wife. Okay. Yeah. So she was uh, so she wasn't Catholic. She was Lutheran, but and we had these really you know, deep discussions about yeah. about religion, and um, that helped a lot. But it, you know, it was clear that you know, the Lutherans didn't do much better at catechizing than, than we did as Catholics. So yeah. anyway, yeah. so it was a, but nonetheless, that set us both on this, um, you know, really trying to deeply look into our faiths more than, than we would have otherwise. So I think, um, it was very good for both of us. Um, so, uh, we went to, um, the university of Wisconsin as, you know, for our okay. undergraduates. Yeah. Uh, I, I found out that I, you know, I was, I was good enough at math. I didn't necessarily, uh, it wasn't my favorite thing to do, but I was good enough, and I could I could manage <laughs> yeah. the physics classes, which I did really like, yeah. and so I realized I, I could do this. I could be a scientist. So, yeah. uh, so I decided to major in astronomy, um, and I got a you know I got a good chance to do research as an undergraduate, which was really nice. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I got I studied um, comets and uh, plasma torus around Jupiter. I even did some theoretical work. Okay. Um, and so I, I, you, know, well, you must have, you must have enjoyed, or well, you must have been able to deal with the math enough to do the, yeah. uh, you know. Well, I, I found out that you know, I, I, if I really, really wanted to, I could be a theorist. But I also realized I didn't really, really want to be a theorist. So, I, you know, I, I like going yeah. to observatories and uh, looking yeah. through the telescope using instruments and yeah. uh, that kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking at your list of uh, your research interests, and they all sound fascinating. I hope we can work some of that in here uh, sure, later right. in the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, um, I went to grad school at the University of Chicago, um, and uh, that was mm-hmm. very intense. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're you're another person with the U Chicago connection. There's several of the speakers at yeah. this conference. Uh, some of my some of my good colleagues are going to be here this oh, weekend. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Uh, yeah, we have to meet each other at conferences. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really that's nice. often how it works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did a lot of things there. Um, I did my thesis with the Hubble Space Telescope um, and a number of other things as well. That was big and shiny and new at that point. Yeah, but it, it was. Uh, I was doing a spectroscopic study. Yeah. Uh, which was okay because you know, remember early on the, uh, it had the optics, the optics the problems. Yeah. yeah, so I wasn't yeah. doing an imaging study, so yeah. uh, you know, spectroscopy wasn't quite as uh, you know wasn't wasn't as yeah tragically affected by right. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it also wasn't as uh, uh, newsworthy as well. You know, so but that's okay. Yeah, John Q. Public doesn't understand how cool the elements are. This is this has been a large part of my problem teaching mineralogy yeah. too. But still, <laughs> Uh, but at that time, when I was a grad student, I also started working on uh, the Sloan Digital Sky Survey, which is, yeah. um, uh, until very recently, uh, I'd say, except for the Hubble Space Telescope, the biggest astronomy project in the history of astronomy. Right. Um, and uh, we're, it was just being built at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So when I graduated... That would have been among the earliest uses of you know digital... You know, imaging technology. Yeah, right? they're, they're but the astronomers looked at that as it was being developed, saying, "We want it. We want it. Please oh, yeah. bring it." I mean, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so there had been uh, <laughs> photographic surveys of the sky before, but the goal yeah. of the Sloan Digital Sky Survey was to do this digitally yeah. in many different colors and uh, gigantic area of the sky. So that was that's yeah. that's what it. It was still did. probably northern hemisphere dominated, but mostly yeah. So yeah. the telescope is in uh, the mountains of southern New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we cover it covers about a third of the sky roughly. Like okay. And it's been it's still going on. It's in yeah. its fourth or fourth or fifth stage at this point. But oh, okay. Um, so I went, so is the hope to map everything that can be seen from that latitude? Uh, no, because uh, it's, it's, well, I guess in some ways it has been so successful that there have been many other surveys okay. yeah. started and proposed. So, yeah. uh, for example, another survey that I'm, uh, I've worked on is called a large synaptic survey telescope, which is still under construction. Okay. There's a massive amount of work going into it. Um, is it in the Southern hemisphere? Or? Yeah. It'll, that's in, um, um, Chile. In Chile. That's yeah. right. Uh, but that is going to, so, all right, so we, the Sloan Digital Sky Survey covered about, we'll say, roughly a third of the sky. Um, the Large Synoptic Survey Telescope will cover that area in a couple of days or is it a couple yeah. of nights and do it repeatedly for many, many years. So it's yeah. just going to be completely yeah. awesome. There's going to be a time scale of, oh, yeah, oh, that light appeared there and, well, you know, yeah, well, the whole time. Every night there will be tens of thousands of new objects seen that, you yeah. know, that yeah. weren't there the night before. Yeah, that's that kind of thing. So yeah, um, so it really is. I mean, even compared to where things are, you know, right now, it'll be a huge step yeah. forward. Yeah, we always have to do something at least in the order of magnitude bigger than before. And that seems to be the otherwise we, the we wouldn't get excited enough to do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. the cost that goes into things like that too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah. And the amount of work that goes into it. I mean, astronomy really changed at the time. So I went when I graduated. Um, I went. I went to the University of Texas for a while, um, mm-hmm. working at McDonald Observatory in West Texas, um, and okay. I joined uh, a nice isolated place. Down yeah, it's, it's awesome. So if you want to be awed by God's creation, yeah, go to a mountaintop in the middle of nowhere yeah. um, on a clear moonless night. Look up at the sky. It's just, yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. blow you away. Uh, you know, you can't help but ponder the big questions at that right. point. But, 
Um, so I was so when I was there, I was working on a, a, a it was also a digital mapping survey called the, the Texas Deep Sky Survey. There were about five of us working on it. Because, of course, Texas has to have its own. <laughs> the stars at night are big and bright. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I just think that in elementary school. <laughs> so, uh, so I joined the project a little bit later. Uh, and after about five years, we had mapped out about 10 square degrees of the sky. Okay. And that's that's larger than it seems because you know, imagine the, the moon is about half a degree wide on the sky, so this yeah. is ten square degrees is quite that's a bit a larger. Lot. Yeah. Um, but after five years, that's about as far as we got. I went to a meeting of the American Astronomical Society and uh, the Sloan Digital Sky Survey that you know I, I dabbled with a little bit as a mm-hmm. as a graduate student. Um, they showed their first light data, uh, just data on their first night, and in one night they had done more than we had done in five years. Great. You know, that I saw the writing on the wall that said that's the feature of astronomy. Yeah. And so um yeah. so yeah, after after Texas I went to Fermilab, uh okay. just outside of Chicago. Okay. Uh so Fermilab's role was to uh process the data. So right. take gobs yeah. of data every night in yeah. its raw form. You have to turn it into data that can be used for science, and yeah. that's what that's what Fermilab's job was. But yeah. it's, it's data reduction, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, and that was a that was a really exciting time because uh, you know, we had you know, we all we were also kind of doing data quality uh, and looking at how things were coming out, and just by doing that, there's you find something new just about every single day. Yeah, um, entire fields of astronomy that you know, take in decades or centuries it would just. Now we've got the data to turn it over now. It's, a, right. it's just just amazing. Yeah. Um, so that was really those are really exciting times. Um, and uh, so I'm, you know, I, I continue working on on that on that today. Um, so I guess getting back to the, the the faith part. I mean, in in this whole process, everywhere I've been, mm-hmm. there have been people who. Um, who I've seen are great scientists, but also uh, faithful, uh, faithful Christians, and mm-hmm. in particular Catholics. Uh, mm-hmm. um, more often than not, if it was someone serious in their faith, they were they were Catholic, and so they were good examples uh, yeah. the entire time. If you enjoyed this episode, or it made you think, come on over to That So Second Millennium's Facebook page and leave a comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you.